We want to welcome all of our listeners to another episode of Minority Report Podcast with Eric and Carell. Each episode, we talk with leaders in business, tech, and media. And today, joining us is Sharon Harris, who's the Global Chief Marketing Officer at Jellyfish. Let's jump in and get to know Sharon. Sharon, welcome. How are you? I'm great. It's wonderful to be here. You were thrilled that you're hanging out with us and can't wait to talk to you about your great experience. And I think there's lots of exciting things to learn about. But first, tell us a little bit about Sharon Harris. Sharon, where where were you born and raised? Tell us a little bit about, about you. Sure. So I was born and raised in a very small town in Louisiana called Morganza. Probably Morganza's claim to fame is that it has a scene with Clint Eastwood in the movie Easy Rider. The first stop he makes on his journey is at this little diner, and that diner is in my town of Morganza. Ah, very cool. Nice. Shouts to Morganza. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) No stoplight in the town. Amazing. Well, I have to ask you about that. I mean, that's fascinating. I mean, what's what's it like growing up in a town with no stoplights? You know, it's a great experience. Morganza is probably less than 2000 people. And for anyone who knows anything about Louisiana, Louisiana is divided into parishes because it's based on the Catholic church's structure. So I grew up in Poincapie Parish, very small town, went to Catholic school. Everyone knows everyone. Whenever I would come home, by the time I passed the major supermarket, word had gotten out, Sharon's coming home. So it's (laughs) great to be from a small town. You know everyone. You have lifelong friends. I would love to say that everyone's rooting for you, but they certainly manage to keep up with what you're doing on Facebook. So it's a good thing. Oh, that's cool. Now, leaving that town, you've worked for some tremendous companies. And I want to ask you first about like what's happening at Jellyfish these days. Tell us what's happening there as Global Chief Marketing Officer. Certainly. Well, Jellyfish is... Obviously, a company that many people haven't heard of. Jellyfish is a digital partner, and we really operate in the space of helping brands and companies advance their digital maturity. We provide the full suite of digital marketing and communications capabilities, whether it's media buying, paid search, paid social, content marketing, PR, creative design and production, trans creation, translation as well as technical implementation. Jellyfish during the pandemic doubled in size. So Mm. right now we're over 2,000 employees across 27 different countries and on six continents. So we have accelerated our growth. We're looking to continue that growth, particularly here in the U.S. market. And we serve as one of the top resellers for the Google marketing platform. And we are the number one trainer for Google Cloud. So all great things in store. I think Mm -hmm. if there's a silver lining to come out of the pandemic, it has been about the acknowledgement of how important digital is and how digital transformation is. So for us at Jellyfish, we're truly digital natives. This is the space that we inhabit. And we're excited just to continue to grow and really refine our proposition in the coming, you know, months and years. That's pretty cool. You know what else is pretty exciting? Your career and all of the great places you've worked at before. Deloitte, 
T-Mobile, AOL, Microsoft, tremendous, tremendous companies. How did you get started on your career path? Wow. Well, that's such an interesting story, simply because I think many people think that you have this master plan of what companies you want to work at and what jobs you want to have. And that wasn't the case for me. I had really a uh, actual sort of mystical, magical journey through all sorts of careers. I started my career in investment banking and we were investing in high growth tech stocks at the time. And a little company caught my eye called CD Radio. CD Radio eventually became Sirius Satellite Radio. And I just got bitten by the bug. I love innovation. I love technology. But most importantly, I've just been curious. And each role and position and company has led me to some new amazing opportunities. I always tell people who are young in their careers, just, you know, say yes, see where the opportunity takes you. Mm -hmm. There's always something to be learned and no experience is ever wasted. And you never know where you're going to end up. I think it really wasn't until much later in my career that I knew I wanted to move into a chief marketing officer role. And when the opportunity presented itself at Jellyfish, I jumped at it. You know, I love all things global. I love all things digital. And the idea to really grow a brand and elevate that brand at global scale was something that just was incredibly attractive to me. And it's a fantastic group of people with an amazing proposition. And, you know, we're partners to Google, to Amazon, to Facebook, and it's just continuing to grow. Sharon, it's great to talk to you again. And thanks for that answer about the chief marketing officer role. I want to kind of continue down that path, right, as it relates to diversity, equity, and inclusion. You and I talked about this on a different stage, on a different virtual stage that we were on together a few weeks back. Curious to sort of get your response to sort of the role that marketing and the chief marketing officer plays as it relates to diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives inside of an organization. Certainly. I've been talking about this a lot with people because the role of the chief marketing officer has really evolved over, you know, not only the past 18 months, but I would say over the past three to five years. The chief marketing officer is really both the head and the heart of a company. You're responsible for not only the brand, but in some respects, you're responsible for the core vision and philosophy of that organization. Obviously, as a Black woman sitting in the C-suite, diversity, equity, and inclusion are not only near and dear to me, but they are elements of an organization that I firmly believe in, advocate for, and give voice to. Because I think any business that doesn't have not only a clear strategy around DE&I, but that isn't actively pursuing how to be a more inclusive and diverse organization is missing. And they're missing on a couple of levels. They're missing because we've seen all the reports. We know that having a business that's more diverse drives better profits, better growth, and better revenue. But you're also missing in terms of being on the right side of history. And that's when I say the CMO is the head and the heart. It's about being on the right side of history. I think what the last 18 months have shown us is People want to not only work for a company or a brand, but they want to do business with a company or brand that reflects their values, their beliefs, and their desires in the world. They want to see a company 
really have an impact that's positive. And when you think about diversity, equity, and inclusion, it is about having that positive impact in the world. And I think for CMOs, it's part of our requirement. We need to really be out on the forefront, making sure that we're not just talking the talk, but we're walking the walk. Love that. Thank you for that, Sharon. And, you know, as you said earlier, you've had a very diverse career in terms of industries, in terms of companies you've been at and different types of roles within an organization. What advice would you give to anyone out there that's listening that may be in a product role or a sales role that wants to transition to marketing? Because it's not always an easy transition, right? And you have certainly done it well. And so what advice would you give to others out there? It's so funny. I just did the opening keynote for the American Marketing Association's Digital Marketing Conference. And Mm -hmm. I'll give you the same advice. Be a sponge. Absorb it all. Really invest in learning, becoming familiar with not only the vocabulary, but the technologies, the tactics, and the people who are really leading and driving this space. I think for the longest time, people just associated marketing with developing great commercials or creative campaigns. But marketing is far more than that. It's data-driven. It's highly analytical. It requires a much different relationship with understanding how technology really empowers your marketing tactics. But it's also about how can you demonstrate through metrics and measurement your impact, the results. This is an outcome-driven business. And I often tell people, you know, being a CMO right now is kind of like something from a tale of two cities. It's the best of times and it's the worst of times. It's the best of times because I don't think there's a better time to be in marketing than now, particularly in the digital landscape. Mm -hmm. There's so much innovation, so much growth, so much change, so much opportunity to have impact on a global scale. But it's also the worst of times because I think brands and many leaders are just impatient and they're looking to see marketing drive growth at a much more accelerated pace than ever before. And I think it's often difficult for many leaders to just stay the course and stick with the plan for a year. They want to see growth in quarterly increments. And also for the CMO, being the head and the heart means standing up and positioning in a company, often on issues that we had often seen as being taboo, whether it's issues of social injustice, issues of race, issues around the environment. So that moral compass and having, you know, a really, really strong back are required. So it's definitely the best of times, but yet it can be the worst of times. We're going to take a short break and hear from our special sponsor. We're hanging out with Rob Bueller, founder of Bueller.tech. Rob, how are you? Welcome. I'm good. I'm good. Awesome. Listen, Bueller.tech is growing. Rob, tell us what is the core concept behind Beeler.tech? Yeah, it's clear to us that community is greater than complexity. And we believe that if we work together, we can make digital media and digital advertising a better business to be in. We think about that at the individual level, the department level, and even at the publisher level and anyone that wants to support that concept. I love it. That's so cool. And I love the word that you said, community. Can you talk about the ways that you help the community? Yeah, I mean, we 
try to connect people with other people and create conversations. And sometimes those conversations are events, roundtables, Slack conversations, right? The key is to move things forward. And one thing I wanted to share with your audience is we like to create speaking opportunities. And mm. we think that speaking in front of an audience is a key skill set people need to advance their careers, which is why we love the Minority Report, because you highlight new voices. And we really support that concept. Thanks a lot, Rob. And thanks for always being such a great supporter of the podcast over the years. Your support means a lot. So everyone, please be sure to check out www.beeler.tech. And now back to the podcast. Thank you, Sharon. I want to ask you a little bit more because Corell and I hear from a lot of companies that are trying to understand, I think, something that you have good perspective on. You know, you've talked about encouragement and promoting inclusivity within companies. Can you talk to us a little bit about what behaviors mean within a company? What processes and systems sort of mean so that you can promote inclusivity? Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Certainly. One thing that I think is important to note, you know, Jellyfish has taken a very non-traditional approach to this in that we don't have line managers and our system for how someone is able to seek a promotion or even a pay raise is really around them developing a strong business case around their accomplishments. So we try to remove as much bias as possible for the system mm. and to allow the employee to really state their own case on their own terms. I think for most organizations, the challenges around those systems are really, every system has a certain amount of inherent bias to it. And to be able to one, acknowledge it, and then to dismantle it can be very challenging and difficult Mm -hmm. because those are often the real cores of how companies operate. And particularly if you're talking about operating at scale. I often tell people when they're thinking, well, how should we pursue diversity and inclusion efforts? And I'm like, well, first it starts at the top. We're very fortunate at Jellyfish to have a CEO in Rob Pierre who understands that. Rob's a serial entrepreneur. He's from a diverse background and culture. And he's a person who certainly believes that everything is possible. It's all about you really being the architect of your own career. And then secondly, it's about resourcing. You cannot pursue a diversity agenda without putting actual resources, meaning people and real Mm -hmm. budget behind those programs. And this isn't something that's done from the bottom up. I mean, I've heard that time and time again. Let's let those employee resource groups decide the agenda. No, the people who are sitting in the problem are not going to be able to solve something that is so systemically rooted in the company and in the culture, it has to come from the top and it has to have real investment. It has to have that real backing and it has to have a clear vision for what it's trying to achieve. I mean, the three fundamentals of any diversity, equity, inclusion program, in my opinion, are metrics, measurement, and transparency. Because if you don't have measurement you don't have metrics, meaning you don't really know what you're going after. Mm -hmm. You don't have the capability to measure it. You're not sure if you're really making progress, but you have to be transparent about it. It's not an overnight exercise. It's going Mm. to take time and effort. That's where the resources come in. And that's why you need the backing of leadership at the CEO level in order to make it happen. But everyone's on this journey. 
I'm excited where a lot of companies have, are gone. They put their money behind it. They've made a, a really pronounced commitment, but there's still a lot of work to be done. Mm-hmm. But we're, we're making a lot of a ton of progress these days, but there's still a lot more work to be done. That makes perfect sense. And thank you for, for sharing that with so many others that will be listening. You mentioned journey. I want to ask you about your journey as a woman, as a person of color. You work in a lot of corporate environments that are male dominated. Not everyone looks like us. Can you talk to us about an issue of discrimination when faced with it and also how you overcame that issue? You know, when I look back upon my career, particularly in technology, you know, you're often the only one in the room and you're often the one in the room that is questioned the most. You're questioned about your capabilities, your credentials. You're even challenged on why are you even in the room? You know, and early in my career, particularly when I entered into technology, I had managers, colleagues, and peers boldly come to me and say in meetings, I I don't think you have the skills necessary for this role. And I can remember a very, very particular incident, and I'll leave the company name out of it, where, you know, I was challenged. Are you the person who's capable of leading this global launch? Because we don't think so. Mm. We don't think you are the person we want representing us and out front. And it was one of those moments where I had to dig deep. I wanted to ask you about that moment. And for anyone who might be listening that doesn't know what that feels like or knows exactly what that feels like, can you tell us what that feels like? Oh, it feels like someone literally punches you in the gut. Yeah. It is one of the most deflating, humiliating, embarrassing, and just crushing moments in your life. Because you're thinking, I went to the right schools. I got great grades. Mm. I have a list of accomplishments. And this person standing in front of me is now taking me to task on virtually every fiber of my being, everything that I've done, everything that I've worked for, everything that I've accomplished, not because I failed, not because I've made a mistake, but merely because of how I've shown up, the color of my skin and showing up as a woman. There's a moment where you almost have an outer body experience because you're looking at yourself and you're looking at this person and you're thinking, what? In the world is going on. You know, you get that, like in many situations, it's that fight or flight. And you're like, okay, do I back down? Do I say nothing? Do I just exit the room? Or do I stand up for myself? Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I stood up for myself. And, mm-hmm. you know, I often tell people, I will give it just as good as I get it. And if you want to challenge me, I've got the receipts. And I realized that my skills, my experience, my knowledge, my passion, my work ethic is not only as good as anyone else's, but often it's a lot better. And often the people who are challenging you don't even have a tenth of what you have. 
takes a lot of work to get there. You know, yeah. there are many days I've left technology companies crying and thought to myself, why is this happening? I've given all I can give. I've done all I can honestly do. Why is this happening? And you have to really fortify yourself because it's not about you. It's really about the other person's insecurities, their yeah. own fears, their own concerns about, are they going to lose their place? Because here you are showing up as the best possible version of yourself. Mm-hmm. And for them, that's intimidating. You're not intimidating them. They are intimidated. So, you know, for anyone listening, you've got to stand firm, have a support network, but know who you are, know what your value is, stand firm in it, you know, and yeah, you can go home and cry and lick your wounds, but keep going, just keep going. That's tremendous, Sharon. And and I thank you for sharing your personal experiences. I have to ask you, I mean, that's tremendous, finding the ability to move forward and, and go forward and press on. Where do you think you learn that from, from mentors or from family? Or where do you think you learn that from? Oh, I learned that from my grandmother, Rachel. My grandmother had six kids. Her husband died when her children were very young. My grandmother only had an eighth grade education. And our family said to her, you can't bring up six kids on your own. You need to break your family apart and give them to other family members and we will take care of them. And my grandmother said, no, I'm their mother and we're staying together as a family. Mm -hmm. And my grandmother farmed. She picked pecans. She did odd jobs. She kept her family together. And my mother and my uncles went on to be incredibly successful. They have their own businesses. They went to colleges. And my grandmother was a person who just didn't take no for an answer. She fought hard and she really lived by a tremendous amount of faith in God. But there was no one. You were never going to outwork my grandmother (laughs) up before the sun and she farmed three acres of land, sold all the produce. And I tell everyone, I, I know all about farm to table because that's how I grew up. Everything <laughs> we ate came from the farm. It sounds so, like my family. Um, they're like organic. We grew up on organic. What are you talking about? Exactly. <laughs> Everything was organic. Everything was organic. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think I get a lot of that from her and from my mother. But yeah, growing up in a single family. A female-dominated household has its perks, you know. Tremendous. Tremendous. It sounds like, Sharon, when I listen to you describe your grandmother and your family, like that's sort of where you draw the inspiration from. It seems like that's what you wake up every morning thinking about, how do I continue to carry on the family legacy? Am I right there? Oh, absolutely. Not a day goes by that I'm not thinking, how do I make them proud? Both my mother and grandmother have passed on. But every day I want to make them proud. And I want to know that all of the unconditional love, support, energy, faith, and trust that they put into me is not wasted. And I'm putting it to good use. And wherever I walk, they're right there with me. Awesome. Awesome. What are you reading these days, Sharon? I I know that, you know, before we started recording, you talked about your traveling now and seems like travel's picking back up for you at work. But 
when you're sort of not in meetings and thinking about the CMO role at Jellyfish? What's on your bookcase or in your favorites in your browser? What are you reading these days? Oh, gosh. It's so funny you should ask me that. Minda Hearts has a new book out called Right Within. It's about Mm. how to heal from racial trauma in the workplace. So I just got a copy of that and I started reading it on my flight from Atlanta to San Francisco. And I'm reading Atomic Habits by James Clear. It's about Mm. tiny changes having remarkable results. So that's what I'm reading right now. Nice, nice. Thank you for sharing that. All right. Fun question that I love asking every guest that we have on the podcast, which is to give us the top three apps that you use on your phone, but you can't name email or calendar or text messaging because those are just way too boring. (laughs) The top three (laughs) apps that I use on my phone are Instagram, Apple News Feed, and Apple Music. All right. All right. There we have it. Sharon, our audience likes to stay in touch. Thanks for sharing so much with our listeners. What are some ways that they can connect with you after the podcast? What are the best ways for them to stay in touch? The best way to stay in touch is to connect with me on LinkedIn. You can follow me on Twitter at SHarrisATL. Those are the easiest and the best ways to find out what I'm doing what I'm thinking and where I am. (laughs) Excellent. Well, thanks for spending a little bit of time with us. We're grateful for all the insights that you shared. And all of you, thanks again for listening to another episode of Minority Report Podcast. You can find more episodes where you find all of your audio and video. Just search Minority Report Podcast and look for the logo. Thanks again, Sharon. Oh, thank you, Eric and Carell. It was really a pleasure to join you today. Likewise. Likewise.